this is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! everybody you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host Liam Douglas and this is episode 77. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you might be listening to the show, which does include Pandora, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, and a plethora of other platforms for your podcasting pleasure. So in this week's episode, I wanted to talk about some lenses, specifically some of the new lenses that I have acquired over the last year. Now, these lenses are lenses that I've mentioned in some of the previous episodes of the show, and I said that I would talk about them more at a later time, and and I've come to decide to do that this week since I've had some time to work with them and form an opinion. Now, just to let you know, this episode is not sponsored by any of these lens makers, and I am giving my own personal views based on my personal usage. I'm going to include some sample images taken with each lens so that you can view them in the show notes for this episode and decide for yourself if one of these lenses might be something that you would like to add to your photography kit. Okay, so the first lens I want to talk about this week is Canon's new RF 50mm 1.2L USM lens. Now, this lens is a replacement via the RF mount for the popular Canon EF 50mm 1.2L USM, which which I had owned for several years. Now, first of all, one of the things that surprised me was the fact that Canon released the EF lens in August of 2006, and with it now being 2020, that lens is 14 years old and has never had a refresh or an update released. There was never any Mark II version of the 50mm 1.2 lens, which is odd, especially considering that Generally, Canon releases an updated version of their lenses every couple of years, or sometimes it may stretch out for three or four years before they release a Mark II edition, but they generally do, and yet for some reason, they never did for this particular L lens, which is part of their quote-unquote luxury line of lenses, their top-of-the-line, highest quality, highest optical performance, and of course, most expensive. Um... So they never came out with a new version of this lens, so nothing with new glass elements or new technology to improve the image quality in 14 years. So in late 2018, Canon announces their first mirrorless full-frame camera in the EOS R, and one of the first few lenses Canon releases alongside the body is the RF 50mm 1.2L USM. Now, Canon came out with their first new mount for full-frame cameras since 1987, so of course they have some research and development costs to recoup, but I was still surprised to see that the RF 50mm 1.2 is $2,299 US when the original EF model sells for around $1,100 to $1,200 US, especially when the RF 24-105 to F4L USM 
and their RF 35mm f1.8 ISSTM lenses sell for the same price as their EF cousins. Which is a little bit odd. I mean, like I said, I know they have research and development costs that they have to recoup, you know, so they have to increase the price of their lenses. But to me, it's a total head-scratcher as to why the 50mm RF lens would be $1,000 more than the EF model, and their 28-70 F2 is like $1,300 more expensive than their 28-70 or 24-70 uh, F2.8 Mark II L lens. Uh, and then the RF 24 to 105 and the 35 millimeter are the exact same price as their EF counterparts, which is really, I mean, it's really confusing. I just don't understand the logic in that. And I've talked about that before on this show, so I don't really want to beat the, beat a dead horse, so to speak. Now, the EF 50mm lens does have its issues. It's a good lens with a very wide aperture, but it has issues with softness and chromatic aberration as well. But these can relatively easily be fixed using the Remove Chromatic Aberration tool and Lens Profile tools in Lightroom or whatever photo editing software you're using. Photoshop, Capture One, whatever the case may be. Now the thing that really surprised and delighted me when I bought the RF 50mm 1.2L lens is the fact that Canon made some major improvements with this new lens. The glass elements are 14 years more advanced, of course, with new coatings that weren't around in 2006. And additionally, the RF model is much more contrasty and sharp at the wide open aperture of f1.2. In comparison, it also has little to no color fringing when compared to its EF cousin. Now, when you compare the two lenses side by side physically, you see a huge difference. The EF 50mm is 86mm in diameter compared to the RF at 89.8mm in diameter, and the EF model is 66mm long versus the RF's massive 102mm length. So the RF mount definitely dwarfs the EF lens. Now, the RF weighs in at 950 grams versus just 580 for the EF model. So the RF model is not only bigger around and longer, but it's also heavier. But it is a fantastic lens. No doubt about it, hands down, it is probably one of Canon's best prime lenses in the L line that they've ever made. Now, both lenses have the Canon L quality build and weather sealing, and although the RF is bigger and heavier, it also looks sexier with its more modern design. So it is a beautiful lens. It does work beautifully well. Now, don't get me wrong, the 50mm EF lens is a great lens, and many pros shot portraits and other things with it ever since it came out in 2006, and there's a lot of pros that are still using it. They love that lens. But the RF is a lot more modern. It's got a lot more improvements and advancements. But either lens on an EOS R RP with the, uh, with the adapter for the EF version is going to give you great performance. The autofocus is snappy with both lenses and very accurate uh, with little noise, although the RF model is considerably quieter, of course, because of newer technology. Now, the nice, other nice thing with the RF mount lens is it has those extra four electrical contacts on the back end of the lens, which allows uh, more communication with the camera body than the EF model has. 
Uh, plus, it has the built-in control ring, which I personally like because I like to set the control ring to either modify my ISO or sometimes I'll set it for aperture or shutter speed. It just depends on the mood I'm in that particular day when I'm shooting. Now, the other nice improvements with the RF model is the fact that it doesn't have quote-unquote nervous or messy bokeh at the edges and like I said before, almost no color fringing when compared to its EF cousin. Uh, both of these lenses are fantastic, so the big thing is, even though the RF is the hands-down winner in technology and image quality and image perfection, so to speak, it's going to come down to what is more affordable for you. If you're a full-time working pro, then yeah, you can probably afford to buy the RF 50mm 1.2L if you've gone to the R-mount, one of the R-mount bodies. And you can get rid of the EF model if you currently have it. Or maybe if you're a hobbyist or an amateur and you don't have the budget to buy the much more expensive RF model. And you're already lucky enough to have the EF model, you'll hang on that onto that lens for a few more years. And you're not going to get terrible images with that lens. Just keep in mind that it's not the latest and greatest, so it's not going to have all of the capabilities that the RF model has. Now, the first image I'm including in the show notes for this episode was shot at Imaging USA 2019, which was here in Atlanta. And I shot this kind of wide-angle lens. I was on the upper level in the complex, and I was shooting the, the show floor from above uh, with the 50mm 1.2L, and you can see that there's some darkness and some color fringing even after adjustments are made in Lightroom Classic. But they're not bad. I mean, it's a very good image. It's, it's a very good quality image. Now, the second image in the show notes is one of my daughter and her boyfriend when they came down to visit us uh, this past Memorial Day weekend earlier this year. And you can see that the shot is much cleaner and brighter, even though it was shot at f8 and the one at Imaging USA was shot at f2.8. The RF lens just does a better job of managing light. It does a much better job of colors, uh, like I said, with no minimal to no fringing, color fringing going on, no nervousness of the bokeh at the edges. The image just looks great throughout. You know, whether you're looking at dead center all the way out to the outside edges of the frame, the RF lens just makes fantastic, clean, sharp images. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, is the RF 50mm 1.2 for you? Well, that probably depends on your budget, with it being around $1,000 US more expensive than the EF version. Uh, but you can also uh, find the EF version since it's been on the market for 14 years. There's a lot of places where you can pick one up used and you could probably save even more. Now, when I bought my EF 50mm 1.2L, uh, I think I bought it about six or seven years ago. Uh, I found a guy on Craigslist that was selling it, and he was down near, I think it was Columbus, Georgia, and I happened to be going down that way to shoot some other stuff anyways. So I bought his, you know, I met up with him at a local, oh, actually I met up with his father at a local shopping center because he was out of state shooting for a client, and uh, I bought that lens for $900 used, and it was in excellent condition. I got the original box, all the paperwork, the little carry bag, the hood, the caps, everything. So you can get a really good deal on the EF 50mm 1.2L, and you're still going to get great images with it. So don't think that you absolutely got to have the RF model, especially if your budget can't handle it. 
But if it can, if you have the money to spend because you're a working pro or you're just lucky enough to have cash to burn, then absolutely go ahead and pick up the RF model. But make sure you're working those arms at the gym on a regular basis because you're going to need the extra strength for the extra size and weight of the RF 50mm 1.2L. <laughs> All right, so moving on, the next lens I want to talk about in this week's episode is the Venus Optics Laowa 17mm F40D for the Fujifilm GFX mount. Now, Venus Optics was the first third-party lens maker to offer lenses in the native Fuji medium format mirrorless systems GFX mount. This lens works with the GFX50S, the 50R, which is the model I have, and the 100 megapixel GFX100 as well. Now, as my listeners already know, I shoot a lot of landscapes, especially with my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia project. For this project, being that the images are being published as a series of books, I wanted the highest quality images I could make within my budget, so I went with the Fuji GFX 50R, and I get amazing images with the 50 megapixel medium format mirrorless system. And I traded in a, three of my older Canon DSLRs to get this system, and I had to settle for the 50 millimeter Fujinon lens as part of the kit, because their 23 millimeter landscape lens was more than double the price of the 50 millimeter. The 50 millimeter at the time was $999. And the 23mm was like $2,500, so it was a considerable difference in price. Now, um, I wasn't happy about that because the Fujinon WR 50mm lens is a 40mm full-frame equivalent. It's not wide enough to shoot really wide shots unless you are way back from the subject or whatever it is you're shooting. And then, of course, you're not going to get as good a detail as you would if you could be much closer. So I started researching wide-angle lenses for the GFX mount, and I found a lot of photographers were shooting with film medium format lenses adapted to their GFX cameras, but I didn't want to go that route. And lo and behold, I found out about Venus Optics Laowa 17mm F40D in the GFX mount. I read several articles on it, I watched some video reviews on YouTube, and decided this might be my option to get ultra-wide shots with my GFX50R. Now, the Laowa lens is not perfect. After all, it's not made by Fuji, and it doesn't have weather sealing, which totally baffles me as to why they would not put a weather seal gasket on the rear end of the lens where it meets up with the body. But it is all-metal construction, so it's extremely durable. It has some issues with major lens flare if you're not careful when shooting on a bright day, but most of the lens flare issues you can either uh, you can either adapt your composition or your position in relationship to the sun to eliminate those issues. You can use filters. You can use 100 millimeter filter kit on the front of the lens, or there if you if you get yourself adjusted as much as possible so you get rid of the bulk of the lens flare and there's just a small amount, that's generally easy to fix in Photoshop. Even when it's the really bad lens flaring that shows up as kind of a red cone or triangle at the bottom of your image, you know, depending on what the image is of, you know, if you're doing landscapes, which generally is what this kind of lens is for, you can still easily fix that in Photoshop using the spot healing brush tool or content aware fill tool. 
the lens itself is a beast of a lens. And at 88 millimeters wide by 124.5 millimeters long, it's pretty large. And with a weight of 829 grams, it's not exactly light either. But man, the 17 millimeters, which is 13.5 millimeter full frame equivalent, is so much wider than the Fujinon 23 millimeters, which is a 17 or 18 millimeter full frame equivalent. With an angle of view of 113 degrees, this lens is awesome for my landscape work, especially for the large abandoned buildings that I photograph, like the Villarica Hosiery Company in Villarica, Georgia, which is a massively long building that I shot from the side. You know, I, shot, I stood to the side of the building across the street, and its front doors are on one end of the building, so I was on the front-facing side of the building, but it was an extremely, extremely wide building. And the Lawa was able to get all of the building in the frame without having to be too far away from the building itself, which is fantastic. Now, because Lawa is a third-party maker, they only make this lens in a manual-only model. So no aperture data is passed to the camera body, so you have to update the XIF data yourself using a third-party app. And this lens, when making sure you prevent lens flaring as much as possible, makes superb images. I am extremely happy with this lens, and I know it would be nice to have Fuji's 23mm wide-angle lens, and I may buy that down the road at some point because the Fuji lens also has weather sealing, which would be handy since I'm not afraid to shoot in rain. I shoot in rain all the time. But all in all, the Lawa is a great lens and considerably more affordable than the Fujinon 23mm, which costs around $23 to $2,500, compared to the Lawa at $1,100. So the Lawa is definitely a lot more friendly on your wallet. Now, the following are a couple of images I captured with the Lawa. You'll be able to see them in the show notes. Uh, the first one... Uh, is one that was actually used by Lawa on their, uh, our, I'm sorry, I, I'm getting my train of thought mixed up. The, uh, the image that I have there are images of a couple of the buildings I shot for my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia project. I'm including the one of the Pit Stop Tire building that is actually be use, being used as a filming location for CW's Stargirl TV series. And then the other one I'm including is another one of the buildings that I shot as part of my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia project. So like I said, you can check those out in the show notes at liamphotographypodcast.com. Now, the third and final lens I want to talk about in today's episode is the Rokadon MF 14mm f2.8 for the RF mount. Now, Rokadon, or Samyang, as they are sold under the name they're sold under in other countries, has been around for quite a few years now, and they make lenses for most of the major camera, camera bodies on the market today. Rokadon was the first third-party builder to make lenses with a native RF mount for the Canon EOS R and RP, as well as the upcoming R5 and R6. Now, Rokadon came out with their 14mm lens first for the Canon RF mount, and I snatched this one up. At the time, it was $499. Now you can buy it for $399 brand new on Amazon. But either way, it was a bargain. And I was one of the first people to own this lens when it was released. 
Roke and Ann even reached out to me and asked me to do a review of the lens and share some of my photos, which they in turn shared on their Instagram account, and I'll include a link to that article on Instagram in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. Now, the MF designation, as you might suspect, means that it's a manual focus-only lens with no electronics, so like the Lawa, it does not pass any data to the camera body. This lens is amazing, and unlike the Lawa, the Rokinon is fully weather-sealed, and I can confirm that as I have shot with this lens in heavy rain many, many times, and the weather-sealing is top-notch. It is also 120.1 millimeters long and weighs in at 800 grams, so it's not a light lens, but it's tough as nails with all-metal construction, and even has a built-in pedal-shaped lens hood, which is really cool, so you don't have to worry about losing track of your lens hood. Rokinon says it has the ability to attach gels to the rear of the lens before you mount it on the camera, but I have not tried that for myself, so I can't give an opinion either way on that feature. Now, Rokinon now offers this lens in both RF and Nikon Z mount, which is handy for those that have the Nikon Z6 or Z7. And they have since released an autofocus model with full communications with the camera body for $699. Since I use mine primarily for shooting my full-time real estate photography, I am probably going to pick up the AF model at some point and sell my manual focus model. As I've said before, I'm not afraid to shoot with a manual-only lens. I started out in photography in the days of film when everything was manual. There was no such thing as autofocus anything. So I'm not afraid of that. But I have, uh, and I have several manual focus lenses, but every once in a blue moon, I'll bump the focus ring slightly and have to recorrect. And on days when I'm shooting upwards of 12 to 20 homes in a single day, having the AF model will be handy for speed's sake and not having to worry about bumping the focus slightly out of whack. Now below is an image I shot when I didn't have my GFX 50R and I was using my EOS R for my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia project. And this one's an abandoned New Beginnings Baptist Church in Waynesboro, Georgia. Just look at how great the colors are, the detail, and no color fringing or barrel distortion on this lens. It just makes fantastic images. I've been extremely happy with this particular lens from Rokinon, and I have since also bought their RF 85mm 1.4 MF lens. And again, <laughs> just like with the 14mm, they wait until about a year after I buy their RF 85mm manual focus lens to release the autofocus version. And uh, it might have been because uh, they didn't have the time or, or to put the extra money into it, or maybe they wanted to wait and see how popular the manual focus models were before they probably had to pay Canon some sort of licensing royalty to get access to the autofocus electronics to put into their third-party lenses. I don't know exactly how that works. I don't know if Rokinon just reverse engineers the stuff and hopes that it works, um, which I, I don't like that when a company does that because they're basically just trying to get out of paying the inventor of the technology uh, what they deserve. Uh, but I can understand it from a cost standpoint. And a lot of these uh, items that are reverse engineered so that they can sell them cheaper are made in China. Um, 
And the Chinese are notorious for doing stuff like that. And I'm not saying that to be mean, but all you got to do is a Google search and companies in China rip off other companies' patents and intellectual property all the time. I mean, the Chinese, to be honest, are just the biggest pirates on the planet when it comes to hardware technology as well as computer software. And they have been for a long time. Okay, so I don't want to get into anything political on all of this. I want to go ahead and wrap up this week's episode 77 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple podcast or wherever else you might be listening to the show. Also, to remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. And you can also call or text the show at 470-294-8191 with any comments, questions, or maybe a subject or topic you'd like to hear covered in an upcoming episode. You can also email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. And on the Facebook group, I did forget to mention, so I apologize. It is a private group, but you can request to join by answering just one question, and that is the name of the host of the show, which is myself, Liam, or Liam Douglas. Either one will work. And I have also opened it up to allow you to also give the names of any of the guests I've had on the show, which would be Jill Mott, Ruben Naha, Jeff Harmon from the Master Photography and Photo Taco podcast, John Harvell, or the beautiful and talented Ellie Cat, or her wonderful boyfriend and partner in adventure, Dan. He's a fantastic guy, and I loved having the two of them on the show during Ellie's last appearance. Now, I did say before that I have some more interviews that will be upcoming soon. I've reached back out to Jeff Harmon because I want to do another episode on portrait photography. John Harvell did a fantastic job as my first portrait photography guest, but I wanted to get Jeff involved in that subject as well because he does some amazing work with his senior portraits and family portraits. And I'm going to have him come back on the show to talk about that. He said he'd be more than happy to come back on the show and talk about portraits. He loves talking about portraits. And now it's just a matter of nailing down which week he's going to be on the show. Hopefully, maybe by the end of June, or if not in July, Jeff Harmon will definitely be back. Now remember, be sure to check out Jeff's shows, which are the Master Photography Podcast and the Photo Taco Podcast. Now, Jeff's shows are not sponsors of this show. I listen to his shows religiously every week, as well as the other hosts uh, that are part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. They're all fantastic people. They're all great sources of knowledge and wisdom in photography. And I am more than happy to support their shows by talking about them on this show, because I believe in their shows. They do a fantastic job. And they have a lot of wisdom and knowledge and tips and hints that they can share with all Shutterbugs anywhere in the world. All right, I will see you again in another seven days for episode 78.